Lana Payton was a fresh chartered professional accountant working for another firm when she received a call from a friend over at PricewaterhouseCooper asking her to join PwC in tax services. And that was over 25 years ago. And I have to say it feels like 25 different careers. That's the main reason why I've stayed at PwC. It's been the variety of opportunities, the variety of clients, the variety of challenges, that it's never the same year twice. And for me, it's been a really exciting ride. That's really why I've stayed for so long. On this episode of Run It Like a Girl, Lana, who now sits on PwC's Canadian leadership team, tells us that one thing she's learned is that you don't need a fancy title to be a leader. But here are some qualities she says you will need. They're thinking differently. They are respectfully challenging the status quo. They're asking questions. They're really learning a lot and taking in a lot of information. Lana sits on the board of the Make-A-Wish Foundation, and she was named one of WXN Canada's 100 Most Powerful Women. She talks to us about mentorship, something she says is critical to one's career. And she tells us about rappelling down City Hall, Lana Payton, on this episode of Run It Like a Girl. So today I'm sitting in PwC Canada's office where I'm thrilled to have the opportunity to chat with Lana Payton, Managing Partner for Business Units at PwC. Lana, thank you so much for taking time out of a very busy schedule to meet with me today. It's my pleasure, Bonnie. Thanks for having me on. I was really excited about having you because, you know, I've been with PwC for a few years now. I work in, during my day job, I'm at PwC, folks. Um, and I've kind of watched you as a tax leader and admired really what you did and it, with, with your career and what I've seen it. So I'm very excited to dig in today. So we're just going to start. You built your career at PwC. I'd love to know now that you're managing partner for business units, can we talk about a little bit on, you know, why you decided to stay at PwC and a bit about your path to how you became a member of the Canadian leadership team? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I articled to get my CPA with another firm and a friend of mine called me and said, hey, we know you're passionate about tax. Would you like to come and join PwC and start tax? And I'll be honest with you, at the time, being relatively new at a university, it's a, you think it's a tough decision and it was the right decision for me, 100%. And I joined, it's been a little over 25 years now that I've been with PwC, and I have to say it feels like 25 different careers. That's the main reason why I've stayed at PwC. It's been the variety of opportunities, the variety of clients, the variety of challenges, that it's never the same year twice. And for me, it's been a really exciting ride. That's really why I've stayed for so long different opportunities, you can try new things, you can do different, have different clients, different experiences. Absolutely, so as our clients are going through different changes, I get to be along for the ride. As the firm itself is going through different changes, I get to be along for the ride. And not only that, but the external business environment keeps changing too. So it has been an evolution and a journey, both for myself personally as I grow, but also watching the business community and my clients grow too. It's been, it's been really, um, a really exciting, interesting, and challenging time. So I stay. Perfect. That's that's awesome. I think uh, I think it's great when you find a place that allows you to kind of explore different opportunities and work on your strengths and work in different things. Um, so I'd love to talk a little bit about leadership. So you're obviously in a leadership position now, um, but just kind of like what do you, what does a, being a leader mean to you? 
me, I don't think you need the title to be a leader. I think that's really important. I think it's a big misconception so many people have. Um, I see so many young students. I see so many new people that we hire that really stand out as leaders. And why are they leaders? Well, here, let me tell you what I see um, people who are leading. They're thinking differently. They are respectfully challenging the status quo. They're asking questions. They're really learning a lot and taking in a lot of information. So a leader doesn't just say, well, that's how we did it last year, so we should do it the same. They're always questioning and asking and trying to understand. So that's about self-development. That's number one. Number two is they're always adjusting to whatever group that they're with. So if it is a group that requires someone to step up and lead and take action, then they're willing to do that. If it also requires someone to step back and give somebody else an opportunity, a leader does that as well. So it's not being the loudest person in the room, but it's understanding being the right person in that team dynamic to make the team successful. Um, the third piece that I would say is thinking creatively. That's how I would put it, which is not just doing things different than what, how we might have done it last year and not just challenging, but also giving ideas. So not just questioning why, 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 but also making suggestions around, hey, why don't we try this? Why don't we try that? So those three key things for me make a leader of a person, and it has nothing to do with title. I love that. I love that. And I'd like to maybe dig into that a little bit more, actually. So at the tables that you're leading and meetings that you're leading, how do you, what do you, how do you ensure that people that might not be as confident to step up, but you know that they have the good idea or you know they should be part of the conversation, how do you empower your teams to lead? So I'll tell you, it's been evolution for me. It's been a journey. Most people who know me know that I am an extrovert. So I am uh, happy to go and talk to lots of people. I'm happy to speak my mind, absolutely. As I've evolved as a leader, I also understand that not everyone is an extrovert and everyone has different personalities. Some people think outside their mind to get to their thought and some people need to formulate their thought inside their mind. When you're in a team meeting, it's really important. One of the things that I often will do is to go around the table and say, okay, we haven't heard from Joanne, we haven't heard from John, we haven't heard from Bob. And I then try to say, hey, what do you think about that? I know that when you and I chatted, that might not be something that aligns to what you're thinking about. So that's number one, is in the meeting itself, encouraging or specifically um, asking people their opinion. In order to do that though, before the meetings, you have to build trust with each member that when you call them out, you're not calling them out to put them on the spot. That you've had a conversation with them, you understand where they're coming from, you might not know their opinion on that particular point, but you've built that trust so that when you ask them their opinion, they feel like they can voice it in the room. So there's those both of those pieces, not just what you do in the meeting, it's what you do to build that team environment and that trust before the meetings. I think that's great because I know for some people, I know for me in particular, if I'm in a meeting, I'm really listening to what's being said. And I might not be speaking because I'm actually trying to absorb what it is to form my opinion. 
in order to be able to say something that I think will have impact. So I love the idea of one, building trust beforehand, and two, actually saying, hey, Bon, you've been really quiet this meeting. Any, any thoughts that you want to share? Right. I think that's great. And you know, it's interesting because when I came back from mat leave, uh, my first Mat leave, so I was, I, was, I was a bit more junior in my career, I would actually write words down on a sheet, buzzwords really, of, of words that I wanted to hit when I went into meetings. Because I was afraid that if I wasn't hitting those, like, I don't know, I can't even think of them right now. But my, you know, when you come back from mat leave and your brain's just kind of mush and you're trying to get back into business form. So I'd have all these words and I felt that I had to speak. And I think that takes time to learn that you don't have to speak to be, uh, have an impact in that meeting. You can think about it. So I really love and value for someone like me who's actually more introvert, um, that style and approach to leadership. The other thing I would say, if you are an introvert, I would really encourage you to understand that relationships are two-way streets. So if you have team members and there's someone in particular that you really feel close to, that you feel like you can tell them, hey, you know what, sometimes I'm an introvert and in those meetings I might not be as vocal. Can you trigger me sometimes or can you call on me sometimes? Like we have to own our own careers sometimes and it's not it's not a positive or a negative to be introverted or extroverted. It just is. So knowing when to focus on those strengths and when to focus on asking other people to help you, again, leadership, really important. I love that. I love that idea of, of asking someone that you trust to say, hey, if I'm quiet, <laughs> ping me because I am thinking of stuff. <laughs> That's great. And you know, I think that kind of segues nicely into what I want to talk a little bit about next, which is mentorship. Um, first, from your perspective, coming up your career, were there mentors that kind of played a key role? And even maybe now, you still have mentors. And then your view on giving back to those coming up beneath you. Mentors are critical to your career. Don't underestimate the power that a mentor can have. And there's a big difference between uh, someone who's a coach and a mentor. Okay. So to me, a coach is someone who's really trying to drive business results by coaching you. Right? They're coaching you around specific uh, points, maybe specific development, maybe there are business objectives you're both trying to get to. That to me is much more about coaching. Mentoring is really leaning in and it is a much more personal relationship. So when you are being mentored by someone or you're looking to mentor somebody else, you need to understand the whole person. You need to understand all the pieces of their life, their career, their aspirations, how their family fits into it, how maybe the community piece as well fits into what they want to be as a whole person. So when you're giving advice to somebody around, um, let's say for example, being more active in the community, if you don't know that for them their career is extremely important or their family and what they're passionate about on their family side is, is very important, if you don't know those things, you might be giving them the wrong advice around being involved in the community. I'll give you an example just to kind of bring it to life a little bit. I've always been involved in the community around things that I'm personally passionate about. Some people prefer to be involved in the community in ways that gives back but is more tied to the business that they do. If you don't understand where that person is coming from, you won't be able to tell them what the right community organizations are for them to get involved with. Um, so I think you need to understand the whole person when you are coaching but especially when you are mentoring them. 
On the mentorship as well, I think it really requires leaning in from a mentor. You should be meeting with them more regularly. You should be having really broad range discussions. The other piece for me is you have to actually give them opportunities. You have to be willing to say, I'm willing to put my own personal capital on the line to help you with this opportunity. I'm willing to recommend you for that opportunity. I've been lucky to have a number of mentors in my career, and I would say that I didn't always know they were my mentors. I had one in particular who, after she retired, we had some great conversations. And even before she retired, we had great conversations, but I hadn't realized how much she had really put her own capital on the line for me to give me opportunities to speak out for me, to uh, recommend me to people. And that has made a huge difference for me. When I first made partner, I had another partner who was also a mentor for me and he was instrumental. I'm not sure I'd be a partner today without him. If he hadn't talked to me and talked to me about my family and how that fits into my career and really challenged me to think differently about what being a partner was. Um, so I think all of those things are the roles of a mentor and you can't put the role of a mentor in a box. You have, it has to be a fluid relationship. So, so yes, because I, I, I love that because if you're only seeing one slice of it, you don't know what else is going into the person's decisions or why they're doing the things they're doing or where they're trying to go if you're only understanding their nine to five or... If you don't understand how they got to be to where they are, you can't understand what motivates them, you can't understand what interests them and excites them, and in the end, helping somebody with their career, with their family, with the community aspect, if you're not helping the whole person, it's going to be out of balance. And someone who's out of balance, ultimately, is going to have a tougher time being successful. Right. But I'd like to switch gears just a little bit. So I, I can't remember, I think it was last year or the year before, I saw a great picture of you um, in a full harness with a helmet on. And you had just completed rappelling down City Hall, I think it is. And you've done that four times? Yep, I've done it, I think, yep, yeah, four times. <laughs> so why do you do that? <laughs> I have always grown up in a family. So my family background is my parents immigrated here from Greece. and. For them, community was critical. It was important as part of the community to help each other and give back. That has been ingrained in me and it is a fundamental part of who I am. Um, I don't believe that you can be a successful leader if you can't understand the impact that you have on other people. Whether that is mentoring someone else through giving your time, donating, if you're able to, money, but helping the community and helping other people is a critical part of what I do, and it's something that I try to instill in my own family. So Make-A-Wish Foundation is something that's near and dear to my heart. I'm actually on the national board of the Make-A-Wish Foundation for Canada, and I've been involved with the organization for about six years. And I find a great personal pleasure in giving back both to the community, to great causes. Nothing honestly gives me better joy than seeing somebody else be successful because of some mentoring that I gave them or seeing a child's wish be granted that just 
for me, it's maybe that's the selfish part, is the joy that I get from other people's happiness. I can't even imagine how wonderful it must be to see a child get their wish granted. And I think it's incredible that you've been involved with the organization for several years and, and what you're doing there, and even standing on the ledge of a building and rappelling down. I think that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I often say, you know, we say, wow, that must be really scary. Understand what some of these kids have to go through to the doctor's appointments, the surgeries that they have, what I do to repel off City Hall to help raise some money to grant a wish to a child, way easier. That's, that's perspective. <laughs> um, so we're actually at our final question of the main part of our episode, and it's one we ask every single person. And basically that's if you could go back 25 years to the start of your career and have lunch with yourself at that age, what would you say to yourself? What kind of advice would you give? Number one, be patient. Be patient with other people. Be patient with yourself. Number two, spend more time listening. So as I mentioned, I was, I'm an extrovert. I'm pretty gregarious and outgoing. As a young myself, I would say spend time to understand that not everybody is like you. And I think that learning would have been greater earlier in my tenure than, <laughs> than it has been. Those two pieces um, are the key things that I would say, I think it would be a fun conversation with myself. And I think I would spend more time as the older self listening than um, as the younger self, for sure. It's great, I love it. So now we're at a new edition for season two, which is our fast three. Um, so I'm just gonna ask you three questions and interested to hear your answer on it. Um, so the first is, what is your favorite podcast or source of information? So there are two podcasts that I listen to quite a bit. The first one is Sword and Scale, and the second one is Criminal. Both of those have to do nothing with my related to my work. That is actually a personal passion that I love to read and listen to podcasts about criminals and uh, serial killers and those types of things. Very so, yeah, cool. very uh, <laughs> So what are you reading right now? Uh, well, Sherry uh, LaPena, she is an author who writes these interesting uh, stories that have great twists, and right now I'm reading a book uh, by her called Stranger in the House. Very cool. And who inspires you? I get inspiration from uh, a lot of different places, but I would say a lot from interacting with people. So I am inspired by some of the young uh, recruits that we have coming and joining the firm who have a passion, an interest, what they've learned. I'm inspired by my children who are constantly challenging me to think differently about the world, about both the business world and our impact in the communities and on the environment. And I'm definitely inspired by my parents who um, continue to inspire me today and have really helped to shape my own personal values. Lena, thank you so much for joining us today for an episode of Run It Like a Girl. Thank you very much, Bonnie. Run It Like a Girl is hosted by Bonnie Moak. The producer is Brian Long, with technical assistance from Dan Moak, and music by the talented Brooklyn Gillichuk. On the next episode of Run It Like a Girl, Eva Wong is the co-founder and chief operating officer at Borowell, a Canadian financial technology or fintech company. 
Eva was an EY Entrepreneur of the Year Award winner in Ontario for 2019 and in 2018 was named one of the standout 35 globally on the Women in Fintech Power List. She was also named one of 20 Canadian tech startup founders to follow by Twitter Canada. Eva has studied or worked around the globe in places like the United States, the Caribbean, Africa, Asia, and Europe. Eva Wong on the next episode of Run It Like a Girl.